Hello and a very warm welcome to the Big Bright Podcast. Today, I'll be handing over the reins to the brilliant Bryony, our Head of Digital Marketing, as we have a very special guest to chat all things MarTech. Over to you, Bryony. Thanks, Emma. So today is really exciting because I'm welcoming Scott Brinker onto our virtual recording studio. Scott is the founder and editor of WebsiteChiefMarTech.com, which looks at all things that combine marketing and tech. He's also the founder and now chair of the successful MarTech conference and is the author of best-selling book, Hacking Marketing, which discusses agile marketing, which as anyone previously who has listened to this before knows, is a topic I find personally very fascinating. He's also the mind behind the brilliant MarTech 5000 super graphic, which yearly charts up the industry's MarTech solutions. Scott's currently based in Boston, working as VP Platform Ecosystem for HubSpot. Scott, welcome to the Bright Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, thank you very much. It's really exciting to have you join us today. We did notice on your uh, Twitter feed yesterday that you were a fan of phrases like bits and bobs. Oh, wow, man. We could do a whole podcast just on that. The particular pieces of the British language, so much more charming uh, <laughs> than my own native <laughs> tongue. Uh, so I visit uh, the UK a fair amount, not here in 2020, unfortunately, but hope to be back again soon. Brilliant. People look to you as an expert in MarTech, but how did you get into it in the first place? What interests you about MarTech? I started in MarTech. I was running the technology team for a web development agency, and our company would get hired by marketing organizations to implement their website dreams. And then it'll be my team and my responsibility to then connect up with that company's IT department for, okay, well, how are we actually going to build this and interface this into their systems? And so it was fascinating to me. This is 20 years ago of like the distance between the marketing department and the IT department. They had different skills, different uh, ways of talking about things, different nomenclature, different incentives, just very far apart on the spectrum. But when you looked at what companies were starting to do around engaging with their customers through digital channels, really, you know, the rise of that, you realize like, oh my goodness, I mean, these two groups are going to have to become deeply entwined in how they collaborate together. And so that started my fascination, frankly, with people who were crossing those two departments. I called them marketing technologists. Very often these people with technical skills that were coming to collaborate deeply and in many cases actually start to just work directly in the marketing department. Yeah, that started me down this path been very fascinated by that evolution. I mean, it's incredible to see, you know, now technology management and operations are deeply embedded in most marketing departments. Yeah. And then as part of that, I've also ended up studying all the different technologies that these marketing technologists end up working with. So it's been a really fascinating journey. I can absolutely imagine. I think it's been interesting over the last few years seeing the rise of digital marketing and then a lot of people who've almost started their careers in marketing in tech, but have then kind of moved over and had to almost learn the principles of marketing later on. The kind of the, the side of marketing ops that sometimes that's very often needed. You have a brilliant super graphic that you do every year and it's the MarTech 5000. And this year you've obviously pointed out that it's more like 8,000 now people in there, which kind of charts the kind of MarTech solutions available in the industry. And every year you kind of talk about what's grown, what those changes look like. And one of the things you mentioned this year that was social tech and communication tech were being the two biggest growth areas in the subcategories between last year and this year. So what areas do you see as perhaps the winners and losers over the next year? Wow, that's a 
A hard question to answer because one of the things that has surprised me over the decade that I've been making that chart, well, one, one thing is obviously the growth. Like the first version of that chart had like 150 marketing technologies on it. And I remember at the time, everyone, including me, was like, wow, 150 different technologies. That's, a, that's an awful lot. And so to have seen it grow exponentially to 8,000 in just a decade, yeah, it is kind of mind blowing. But I think the other thing that's really surprised me is I, I get asked every year, like, okay, well, you know, where is the innovation? Which category is where the stuff is really happening right now? And it's always hard to answer because, to be honest, almost every single category continues to evolve and innovate. And so one of the examples I can give you is arguably the oldest category on the MarTech landscape is content management systems, right? You know, like before we did anything else in digital marketing, the first thing that happened was we're going to need a page for our website. There's been content management systems for 25 years. You would think by now, if any category was going to be, okay, we figured this out, it's done, it's over, you know, move on to the next thing, it would be CMS. But it's absolutely not the case, right? I mean, like the innovation that's happened in the past few years around uh, content management systems, you know, all these, uh, you know, increasingly distributed architectures, you have this whole concept of headless CMS, which isn't as scary as it sounds, the intersection between CMS and now, you know, ways we're leveraging things in, you know, mobile apps and voice assistants. I mean, so for a field that should have been completely consolidated and matured to a, a full leveling off, yeah, it continues to innovate. Yeah, man, I just see so many categories, but all right, I won't entirely dodge your question. I guess one of the things that's really intriguing right now is in the past few years, all the new regulations and compliance around privacy. I'm a big fan of it. I think this is really important. In many ways, while it's been challenging for a lot of marketing organizations to figure that out, there's really incredible opportunity here to use this as an opportunity to build better quality data and have a more personal relationship that respects the preferences of our audience. And so there's just an incredible number of tools that are starting to expand up in that area. I, I, I should pause. I could go on. There's like, there's a lot of innovation happening everywhere in MarTech. Well, data is definitely a topical one as well. It's not going away anytime soon. I think privacy is not going away anytime soon, but data is absolutely, as a, as a marketer myself, it's the crux of everything I do. So that's really positive to hear, actually. <laughs> I don't think we do it well enough yet. And I'm excited to think that hopefully we will do it better in the future. As part of that, you've mentioned recently about the long tail of MarkTech. There's a really great graphic you've got on there, which talks about this idea of how, okay, we've got 8,000 this year, but actually it's grown exponentially. And because a lot of companies there's been consolidation as well as plenty of new startups. Is there a way that perhaps you could describe that in a little bit more detail to our listeners? Sure. So every time when I publish these graphics of, you know, thousands and thousands of MarTech companies, one of the questions people ask is like, oh my goodness, I mean, like, do I have to choose among all 8,000? You know, isn't there supposed to be some sort of consolidation happening in the market? And so one of the first things I admit is, okay, that the landscape with 8,000 logos in many ways is not a very good representation of the industry because all those logos are not equal in scale or size or influence. The long tail diagram, this idea of saying, okay, well, out of these thousands of marketing technology companies, 
there's really a relatively small number that are like the major platforms. These are essentially the public companies in the MarTech space, right? So you've got Adobe and Salesforce and Oracle and Microsoft and HubSpot. And, you know, there's a, there's a relatively like small set of those. And to be honest, they have a tremendous market share. And then as you start to go down that long tail, you'll like have leaders who are like category leaders, you know, and more specialized functionality and capabilities. And then even further down, you get into more and more of these specialists. Now, some of those are like startups, you know, that are hoping someday they will become the next Microsoft or Google. Who knows? Some of them may. But increasingly, what's really interesting in the in the market is you see this symbiotic relationship between those major platforms and the head of the tail and these specialist apps in the, you know, long portion of the tail where the specialist apps increasingly integrate with those major platforms. And so the whole advantage of this is for a marketer, you pick the major platform that you're going to build your marketing stack around and you have a relatively finite set of choices there. And then based on that, you can look at the specialized tools that integrate with the platform you chose if you want to augment the capabilities of that platform with something that's either some new emerging technology or something that's very specialized to your industry or vertical or just, yeah, some particular capability that you want that isn't in that core platform. And so it's really starting to uh, get a little bit of structure to the industry and hopefully we're still on this journey, but hopefully this will actually make it easier for marketers to harness all that innovation without uh, having to just look at it as a big, scary mess of 8,000 companies. You're totally right. I think looking at it, it looks terrifying initially, but then when you kind of get into the detail, how it all connects is absolutely an opportunity. So I I can't get away from this question. I'm going to have to ask about COVID-19. It's been a huge factor for businesses this year. We've obviously seen the rise of platforms such as Zoom. What do you think the biggest change might be following the wake of corona on the martech space over the next year yeah it's a it's a really important question for both marketers but also martech companies i i I look at it as both a combination of headwinds and tailwinds right like challenges to this industry and this capability but then also some things that are helping to accelerate it you know obviously the biggest challenge is just the macro uncertainty economies all around the world are still you know trying to figure out the what the road out of covid is going to look like yeah that just is going to have ripple effects for some time. But in sort of balancing out the challenge of that uncertainty, I think one of the things that's actually been a tailwind for marketing and MarTech is this crisis has really brought home the need for two things. One, for businesses to be able to engage with their customers through digital channels in a deeper way, in a you know more complete way, in a more delightful way from the customer's perspective. And obviously, a big part of marketing technology is helping to manage that customer journey across all these different digital touch points. <laughs> when we ended up in a world here where, oh my goodness, you know, for a lot of businesses, the only way we can engage with our customers was digital, that really motivated everyone to uh, start to make some serious investments and planning in uh, how we get better at that. And I think the other piece of it is more internally, you know, for businesses that have had the luxury of being able to keep operating, but they need to have their staff working remotely, working from home. A lot of these tools and processes that were in place before COVID, you know, were very centralized in nature. It sort of, you know, made a lot of assumptions of like, okay, well, we'll get this meeting together here and there'll be this queue of this person who manages this. And I I think one of the things we realized in an environment where either by choice or necessity, we need to be able to have more remote employees, the support for greater 
decentralization in our tool set, giving people more self-service tools that they can use in marketing to do data analysis, to be able to run lightweight experiments, uh, you know, with a campaign or a program for a particular, you know, segment of the audience they're working with. The opportunity there has become really clear. And so again, I think that's motivating a lot of innovation in MarTech and in the adoption of these technologies as well. Well, that's really exciting to hear. Bright itself is a a MarTech. We've been around for about 20 odd years now, and we're always trying to think of different ways of doing stuff. And I I think it's, as a marketing perspective, seeing that change and seeing it's almost as an opportunity to communicate better, to work better with your colleagues, I think is really personally, I find quite exciting. And it actually brings me nicely onto the next question. You actually mentioned in your release this year, the MarTech 5000, that new entrants had risen by more than 24% between 2019 and 2020. We've already discussed that in the wake of Corona, there may be potential opportunities for growth, for changes, for innovation as well. So actually, what advice would you give to someone who has a great idea and wants to create their own piece of MarTech right now in the context of everything that's happening? What would your advice be? Man, you've got a really great set of questions for me here. So I think I believe all businesses start with the customer and start with like, what is either the the, the problem that the customer is having that we're going to address? Or is there an opportunity that is being underserved for them? Clay Christensen, great strategy leader, you know, had written about this concept of jobs to be done, that uh, every customer, whether they're a consumer or a business, they have these jobs that they need to get done. And the real trick in coming up with a great product is to be able to understand that job and be able to do it better for the customer than existing solutions offer. And so I'd really start with that because to be honest, the implementation of software where is there really aren't any barriers to that anymore. Like if you understand the customer problem you're going to solve, you have a clear vision of how you're going to solve it. The technical bits and bobs, you know, are incredibly low barriers to entry now, taking advantage of all these cloud platforms, Amazon and Google and Microsoft. There's all these great open source projects you can use as the foundation for your system. It's easier than ever to plug into a global network of talent in building it. The actual software portion itself... I. I don't want to say it's easy, but it certainly feels like the easiest piece of the equation. The challenge is, yeah, find a great customer problem that you have a really novel idea for how to solve better. Great answer. What are your top five MarTech startup companies that are the ones to watch over the next year and why? So I'm going to dodge that question because, boy, it's hard to actually pick five, <laughs> like whichever five I pick, <laughs> I'm going to hear from like, you know, 500 others. They're like, what do you mean? You were just talking to me the other day. Why not us? But I will give you some hints. I mean, one of the things that amazes me is just how much innovation keeps happening in this space. And so if you want to be a bit of a observer of, you know, the, the edge of where this is happening, there's a site called Product Hunt. particularly in the tech world, has become a place where people go to like, oh, here's this new product or here's this new version or here's this new thing we're, you know, releasing, you know, and they get a bunch of people to comment on it and upvote it and things like that. And it's incredible. I mean, there are thousands of products going through that and they're mostly tech products. So they cover the gamut of, you know, software as a service, but a huge chunk of them are actually relevant to marketing and sales revenue operations teams. And so, yeah, if you go to producthunt.com and you just peek in on that on a weekly basis, I guarantee you, you will be astounded by some of the innovative startups that keep launching in this space. I'm kind of sad, but also quite happy you dodged that question, actually. That's a great piece of advice. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Scott, for joining us for this. This has been absolutely fascinating. And I feel like I could probably talk to you all 
all day about this. <laughs> Sadly, I know that I can talk all day about this too. So we'll spare your listeners that. But uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Scott. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode. You can find out more top tips from the Bright team on our website at bright-interactive.co.uk. 